Hello! <laughs> the following podcast is produced or sponsored by a community member. The content, views, and opinions expressed are those of the participants and do not reflect those of BMC or the town of Belmont. BMC welcomes your comments. Call us at 617-484-2443 or email us at access at belmontmedia.org. Hello again. Welcome to another edition of the TOST Toddcast with Coach Q here on the Belmont Media Podcast Network and also simulcasting on BMC channels 8, 9, 28, and 29. I am Todd Bloniars alongside Belmont High School head football coach Jan Kuman. A reminder to all our listeners and viewers out there that uh, these shows are interactive. Your participation is welcome. We haven't had any, well, we haven't had any interaction yet, but we like to say it anyway. The disclaimer's out there. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, anything for the coach, uh, log in on Twitter and be sure to use the has- hashtag Q's4Q, Q-S-F-O-R-Q. Very simple there. And uh, if we ever have any questions, we will get to them during the show. But I checked just before we came on air here and uh, nothing yet. So, One of these uh, days. Yeah, the I don't know. Change going to come. Uh, hopefully, I mean, I don't, maybe they're waiting. I don't know. Waiting for a waiting win. Waiting for a yes, win. I, 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 I can't say I blame them. Okay. All right. Yeah, we'll get you on camera there, Coach. Say hello there. How are we doing? There you go. Your name's right up there. Hey, so. look at that. Yeah, I think I... Uh, okay. <laughs> also, I uh, want to remind all of you out there that, uh, yeah, we got our graphics back, so uh, that's wonderful. Cool. Which, extra task for me. Uh, you can follow <laughs> you can follow Coach on Twitter at Q underscore Coach, along with BHS Football at Marauder F-Ball, and our timeout for Sports Talk Twitter handles at TOSTBMC. You can also become a fan of our show by following us on Facebook and searching Timeout for Sports Talk. So... Uh, let's get started, Coach. Uh, you said, uh, you know, I should come up and uh, check out the game yeah. this week uh, up at Winchester. And uh, it uh, my schedule worked out, so I was able to get up there. But, uh, oops, oh, I should. Uh, yes, my, uh, my schedule did work out. I was able to get up there. But, uh, well, let, let's just start by saying this. I think, you know, you certainly, when you're losing, uh, if you're losing to the likes of, say, a Woburn or a Redding, those are talented, deep teams, I think. You know, you can you can look at that and just say, well, you know, they're a better team. But, you know, you're battling 0-4 Winchester last week, a uh, team and also without their starting quarterback. And uh, kind of from Jump Street, things uh, didn't go well and uh, kind of uh, went worse. And so I don't know, what are, you, what are you just your general thoughts? on? I know you're trying to probably put the game out of your mind as quickly as possible. Yeah, I, I actually would say the opposite. I don't think that this is a game that we're trying to forget. Um, we're trying to keep this game – in the front of our mind because uh, a big part of, I think our, our underperformance was just effort. You know, um, we didn't show up to play that game and it was evident from the very first play. They went 95 yards through, through three or four broken tackles for a kickoff return for a touchdown. And, and that was an effort and execution touchdown. We saw it on film, you know, uh, that Monday and it's guys leaving their lanes, not doing what they've been taught to do. And, and, and there was a, a, a discernible lack of urgency and a lack of effort. Um, we kind of felt that in pregame a little bit, and it carried over into how we started the game. Um, and so that's that's not something that we're trying to forget anytime soon, and, and our guys have heard that, um, and they heard it in no uncertain terms on, on Monday and on Tuesday before going out to practice. And, <clears throat> you know, the, the, the product of that for us has been two really great days out on the practice field. Um, 
I'd say two of the best practices we've had all year. And I think that remembering that feeling of not doing everything that you could to win a football game is, is something that's sticking in the craw of our guys as well as, well as it should. So you said you had kind of an indication, like maybe moments before kickoff, uh, that things uh, may not necessarily go your way? No, I mean, I just think that, you know, our energy level was discernibly low. You know, we talk about two things a lot, um, especially a lot more now, is a sense of urgency and a sense of purpose, you know. And I think that there was a little bit of a, a positive hangover from Reading in the sense that, you know, we felt that, we had given this great football team such a close run, and we were right there, and Winchester was 0-4, and we knew we were 0-4 too, but we thought we were a better football team than they were, and, and we weren't on that day. Um, they out-hustled us. They out-efforted us. They wanted to win a football game more than we wanted to win a football game. And so you got that sense of, of kind of flatness um, starting at the beginning of warm-ups. And, and, and I'm not saying anything that our players haven't heard and, and that our coaches haven't heard too. And that they wouldn't agree with. Um, they know. You know, they, they know. The coaches and the players both know that our effort and attitude and our culture uh, as a football program was insufficient um, and completely unacceptable. Um, and we're a little bit embarrassed by it. You know, we're embarrassed by that showing. And because it's not indicative of us. It's not representative of who we are as, as a football family or as men. And that's good. We, we, should, we should have a little burr under our saddle because of that. Um, I'll lose a football game, but I don't want to lose one by, by not trying. Um, and neither do my guys. You know, so, so they know that, and we're, we're keeping that right up, right in a little chip on our shoulder all week this week and working to get better. All right. Well, uh, obviously, you know, as we said, uh, you kind of, you know, you, it was was twenty one nothing at the half, and uh, you guys didn't actually get any points on the board until the fourth quarter. Uh, George Fitzgerald, uh, first time all season, he doesn't uh, get double digits in completions. Ends up finishing nine of twenty five for one hundred twenty eight yards. And uh, well, just did did it seem like the passing game was uh, a little bit out of sync, or just the fact that you guys fell behind early and, and George had to pass more, or you had to work more passes into the offense? Or no, I mean our run our run pass split was actually pretty even. I mean there are a couple carries on there for George that are carries because they're sacks. I think we were like twenty five throws, twenty seven runs, or something like that. So we were pretty balanced. Um, our line play was poor, you know, whereas it had been. Uh, really quality against against Reading. Um, our technique up front was really bad. Um, there were a bunch of guys who kind of got called out for that on on Monday. It did feel um, like Winchester was getting pressure. I don't know what the official numbers would have been on on hurries or or even hits yeah. On no, I, I I don't know about you know knockdown and hurry numbers and all that stuff. But you know, it just our technique was was poor. Um, and so that contributed to a couple of things. I mean, we were moving the ball really well in our first series. Got the ball over to about their thirty five. Um, George had an open Pollock on a, on a deep out and went to throw it and got smacked from behind as he was throwing the ball. Um, and it fluttered and that's a pick, you know, and that's not George's pick. That's the line's pick. Um, they didn't do a good enough job of keeping guys off their quarterback. So I think that was a really big part of our inability to throw the ball as effectively as we wanted to. We had a couple of big drops. Uh, Wellett, you know, who's a really sure handed receiver out there. He had a couple of drops. He had a, uh, 
a drop that would have resulted in a first down, and they had a great fade ball that was thrown down the sideline, kind of hit him right in the hands, and he just wasn't able to come up with it. And sometimes that's how the ball bounces. You know, Will's a great receiver, and we have a ton of faith in him, and he's had a good week of practice so far, and, you know, he's going to be ready to go again too. So I think that contributed to it. I didn't feel like our routes were as sharp as they needed to be. Um, not a great sense of urgency running our routes, especially on the backside. Um, and, and all of those things kind of combined um, – contributed to our inability to move the ball through the air, you know, and we're hurt. We were hurt in, in our ability to pass protect also by, by not having our big guy, you know, by, by not having Adam out there on the field is, is a big loss on both sides of the ball for us. So um, that showed itself a little bit on, uh, on Saturday. Well, since you bring him up, any update on his condition, whether he would be available to play this week? Well, he's got a lower body injury and he's trying to work through it. You know, okay. um, we'll see where we're at when we get to, when we get to Friday and see how he's feeling and, what we're able to do but I think that we've you know done a better job this week of being a little bit more prepared for you know if he plays great we've got those offensive structures in place um we've spent some time you know kind of working to adjust some of the things that we do a little bit to to cover for him if he doesn't um but that'll be you know it'll be game day decision on Friday well, even despite the uh, the absence of Deese to to help certainly block and, and also in the running game, actually some of your running numbers turned out not so bad. I mean, Tyler Reynolds gets his first 100-yard game of the season on 19 carries, 109 yards, and, and Killian O'Connell provided a nice spark with his, his two touchdown runs along with 56 yards rushing. Yeah, uh, I was actually really happy with how we were able to run the ball and, and, you know, one of the things that really kind of, I think, hurt us, one was the touchdown right out the gate, um, and then we didn't play great defense, you know, and so we kind of got into a position where we weren't able to rely on the part of the game that was working for us, you know, um, as much as we might have otherwise been able to do if we were a little bit, a little bit tighter up, you know, going into the third quarter. Uh, Tyler had a great day. I'm so, I'm wicked proud of Tyler Reynolds. He had 109 yards on 19 carries, averaged like 5.7 a carry, um, you know, and We've been doing a lot of work with Ty to go downhill and be decisive in his cuts and trust the scheme and trust the line action, and he really did that. He deserved every yard that he got. He had a he had a great – you know, you get our stats, we chart bull yards, which are yards that you get at any point after you should have been tackled, whether that's by a cut, you know, a good cut, or whether that's by contact. And, you know, Ty had some good bull yards. And, and Killian – um, was a nice changeup. I, I kind of felt a little bit bad for Tyler because Killian kind of came in and yoked his touchdowns. I mean, one was a, a short yardage touchdown. Ty had run a bunch of them and was looking a little fatigued, so we said let's get a fresh back in there. And then uh, one, he just sprung for 20 yards and went right up the middle for six. Um, and it was late in the game, but that you know that's against their ones too. It, it wasn't it wasn't over yet. Um, you know, we recovered an onside kick and it was in our second possession after that onside kick and. Um, you know, that I kind of felt bad for Ty because, you know, he'd kind of been the workhorse throughout the course of the day. We really want to get him in the end zone. But, uh, you know, Killian kind of stole it from him. So we were joking about that in practice a little bit uh, Tuesday, uh, a little bit today, too. So uh, but they both did a great job. I thought the line did a good job run blocking uh, for the most part. It's just, you know, we, we didn't have a good day in pass set. Let me ask. Uh, I was going to get to the onside kick too. I, I did want to talk about the, uh, the the comeback in the the fourth quarter to make things uh, kind of interesting. Uh, but the bull yards, you mentioned that on the stat sheet. Uh, you know, you're saying at first, so when they're where they should have made a tackle, any yards after that. But so it seems a little arbitrary because are you determining whether they should make the tackle? Because it's not just at first contact by a defender. It would be someone. What? Well, I mean, if a defender contacts you, he should tackle you. 
from a defensive perspective. If he contacts you, he should tackle you. And, what if he so, just kind of bumps into you going by or something? <laughs> then that's on that's that's on him. I mean, he shouldn't bump into anybody going by. If you touch if you touch an offensive player, um, nope. you should tackle him. Um, and so sometimes those bull yards are you know one yard on a carry because he t- he contacted you and you went down and fell forward. Um, sometimes you know they're running through tackles and getting five or six or seven yards after first contact. Those are all bull yards. And sometimes it's a guy coming in and having kind of a nice beat on you, and, and he should secure you. Um, you know, but you make a nice jump cut or a head fake and come back to the outside or something, and you get additional yards off of that cut. All of those yards are bull yards, you know, because um, they're yards that exist outside of the scheme of the play. You know, I mean, there there's outside of like you know throwing deep balls down the field or something like that. There are no plays that are designed to go 78 yards for a touchdown. I mean, you know, running plays are designed to get you four yards. You know, but if the blocking's good enough and opens up enough of a hole, but I mean, someone, e- you, you know, even 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 back. that, you know what I mean? I mean, yeah, there are right. always guys in a, in an offensive defensive scheme who are somewhat unaccounted for. It's not that they're unaccounted for, but you know, like we're not scheming up how to block a free safety at 12 yards when we're trying to run an inside run. You know, so running plays are designed to get you positive yards. They're designed to get you four. That's what we say. You know, we get four yards on a run. That's a successful run. That's what we're trying to get. Um, anything that comes after that is bonus. We want the bonus. You know, we want the bully yards. So, um, yeah, I think I thought we did a pretty good job of that, and I thought we did a good job of running the ball. And I'm just pl- I'm proud of Tyler for kind of staying within himself and letting the game come to him a little bit, and and running hard. And he had a great day. Well, yeah, and as I'm looking at the stat sheet here, uh, about almost half of his yards uh, came on bull yards, as you as you're mm-hmm. calling them, 54 of his 109. So, uh, you know, he fought, you know, he got hit and or he should have been tackled, but he eluded it or whatever, and and kept on running. So that that's a plus. Uh, let me talk about the. Uh, let me here. I'll ID myself every once in a while. There we go. Uh, <laughs> I'm not on camera that much. So uh, let's. Uh, <laughs> my my question here would be about the onside kick. So early fourth quarter. I mean, it looks like. You guys are way out of it. It's 27 nothing. But then all of a sudden, in like a two-minute span, you score two quick touchdowns. I mean, thanks to, to you know, Killian's running, but also the onside kicks. And, and boy, Aiden Cadigan really, you know, had that perfected. The first one was just a thing of beauty. It was pretty. And, uh, you know, but uh, talk about, you know, just talk about what goes into, you know, lining up those onside kicks. Because, you know, I, what you've told me about Cadigan on previous shows is that, you know, the guy prepares himself for every situation, so he must have probably like a dozen different types of onside kicks that he goes. I mean, but yeah. you went with the same one twice in a row, I think. We did. Which is, uh, I would have, you know, I guess my question would be, did you just like what you saw in the first one and just thought you could fool them again? Or, I mean, because I would think, wouldn't they be looking more for that type of onside sure. kick? Sure. I mean, I, I think that, I think that, you know, the first one was a great execution. We have, a, a, I would say we have a dozen, but we have, you know, well. four, <laughs> three or four different onside approaches that we want to use depending on who we got and what we're trying to do and how they're going to align to that stuff. Um, you know, we thought on the first one, obviously, Aiden executed it well, and well, it came streaking down and picked it up. And we thought on the second one that, you know, yeah, they're going to know it's coming. I mean, everybody in the house knows we're going to onside kick. Uh, whether we, you know, onside kick off a off a you know a dirt ball and two two hot ball with a with a jump up, uh, whether we do it with a pop kick, whether we do like a muddle huddle and come out of the huddle and you know bowling ball kick it right up the middle or something like that, everybody in the house knows it's coming. Um, well, right, I guess that's, we're we're my we're looking is just at we're look, something different. well we're looking at execution. You know, like at that point, it's not surprise. Mm-hmm. At that point, it's which of your four onside kicks do you most reliably convert in practice. Okay. Um, 
And so we went with the one that we felt was our most reliable, and I'd make exactly the same call again, and I, we should have had it. We, we, caught a tough, we caught a tough call on that one, man. He, he muffed it. Um, yeah, what he, was that, an illegal hands? No, he fair, he fair caught it. Okay, right, it looked um, like he Which did. he can do. He yeah. fair caught it, and then uh, it bounced right off of his chest, and it opened up into space, and then there was contact after the ball was loose. The referee threw the flag for fair catch interference. His argument was that the ball has to touch the ground before contact can be made off the muff. Um, I have to go into my rule book and see if that's if that's true because I don't necessarily agree with that. But, you know, that's the call we got, and we had to move forward. Well, and also speaking of calls, I think there was a call late in the game, some kind of pass interference, I believe, that got you a bit uh, hot and bothered near the end of the game too. Of course, I, I know at that point you're st- you, know, you guys are still trying to catch up and, you know, make up points. Yeah, you know, I mean, officials really never affect the outcome of the game one way or the other, to be perfectly honest. Um, you know, we didn't lose that game because of officiating. We lost that game because we didn't show up to play and we didn't work hard enough. Um, but, yeah, that, that call down the sideline, lack of a call down the sideline was, was really frustrating, you know. Um, obviously, we've seen it on film, and when the ball's in the air and a defensive player puts his hand on the back of your receiver and gets full extension and a push and the receiver goes to the ground, that's – in my mind, that's pass interference. You know, the side judge didn't see it that way, and on 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 we go. But yeah, you know, I, that that one got me a little hot. Um, that one got me a little hot. I thought that we had a couple of tough calls throughout the course of the game. Um, there was one on a defensive series where Ryan got the edge really good on their on their tackle from his defensive end position, and the kid put his hand right on the back of his shoulder pads and put him in the dirt, and their quarterback stepped up and hit a 38-yard completion. You know, so on a third down. Um, I thought that's that's either a hold or a block in the back, but again, you know, officials didn't see it that way, and they got a tough job. It's not an easy thing to do to call a football game, and um, that's not the reason we won or lost. So, I'll wrap up uh, talking about uh, last week because you brought up his name, Ryan Santoro. He had some big shoes to fill, kind of stepping in uh, in getting the start in place of uh, Adam Deese. And what, what were your thoughts about his performance? You know, Ryan's a sophomore. Toro's, we call him Toro, you know, like the bull, Santoro. Toro's, Toro's a, he's a good little football player. He's still, you know, finding his way, learning a little bit. Um, hard to go out there as a sophomore and, and do the job, you know, uh, especially at a position like fullback or inside linebacker where, you know, you want to have a little bit of heft. And I thought he did a decent job in pass protection and, and his lead blocks need to, you know, get a little bit better. I mean, another year in the weight room, another year of experience under his belt, this kid's going to be a really, really quality football player. We needed him as the next guy on the depth chart to step up and do a job for us, and he did. Um, he did a little bit for us on defense too. And, and that was really another one of the big issues that we haven't really talked about is that our, our defense played poorly. Um, you know, we, we've got to be able to get guys off the field, and, and Coach P knows this. We had – a series of long conversations over the weekend about what we could do to make our defense better. I'm a little bit more clocked into defense now, and I think we're all kind of working a lot harder to make sure our defense plays with a little bit of an edge and an attitude, and, um, you know, they didn't. There was one drive we needed the ball back, and, you know, they they were late in the game. You know, they, I think, ran it 12 times in a row and consistently gained yardage, you know, and, and that's, you know, you can't do that. So I thought Toro did a great job. Um, for a young guy going in there and filling some big shoes, and, and I'm really proud of him, man. It's, again, not an easy thing to do. Um, we've had a couple of sophomores have to do that for us, and, and it's hard. It's hard to go in there as a 14-, 15-year-old, 16-year-old kid playing with 18-year-olds you know, and 17-year-olds and uh, go out there and execute and, and do the best job that you can. So I'm uh, proud of Ryan, and, and it's a big step in his development too. You know, it's, Sometimes you got to go out there and take a couple of lumps in order to 
learn what you need to do better. And he's given us another, you know, great couple days of practice, and I'm proud of him. Well, since you uh, brought it up again, I'm going to ask uh, you. You said uh, you, we didn't really talk about the defense. So, what do you what do you think it was a lack of execution, effort, a combination of both? Um, I think it was a. I think there were a lot of things. You know, I think first and foremost that we were just complacent. You know, and that was across the entire team. It wasn't just the defense, but you know, it showed on both sides of the ball: complacency on offense and complacency on defense. And so that's the first part is just not playing with energy and not playing with a motor, not finishing plays, allowing guys, you know, two, three yards of continuation from the point of contact, you know, allowing bull yards to be racked up against us. Um, You know, I didn't think that we were great in coverage, didn't have a ton of tiffles, didn't force any turnovers. um, And we allowed a couple of really long sustained drives in big moments. Um, and that's just not something that we can do and, and be a successful football team. And, and our defense knows that. Um, and that, you know, chip on the shoulder is pretty, pretty big for them this week, too. All right. Well, um, yeah, I'll just throw this out as a really stupid question. We talked about this, I think, a little last week. Playing on Saturday afternoon, uh, do you think that – I mean, granted, you, you hadn't played since, you know, week of, the week ago, the previous Thursday, so you, you had an extended layoff. But, again, just the case of playing a day game, is that part of it? And, you, know, you know, they're just used to playing under the lights in the evening and, and maybe – I mean, you know, maybe. Yeah, uh, there were some adverse things for us, yeah, obviously. Not trying to make excuses. No, we had – we had, I mean, SATs were that day, so we were a little oh, okay. bit late on the bus. Uh, we, you know, we didn't really weren't able to get out of there until like twelve thirty. That kind of wondering why it was a two o'clock kickoff. Yeah, that, that's uh, why. Yeah, okay. um, so, you know, that gets that fun. gets us there a little bit late. We were kind of rushed through our warm ups and and all of that. Um, but you know, so what? <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, that you can't you can't allow something as as minor as that. I would say, and athletes are creatures of habit. I get it, but you know, you can't allow something like that to take you mentally out of who you are as a football team and, and and whether that's what did it or whether it was just us, it doesn't really matter. You know, the effect, the effect was the same. Um, I don't really care what day we play. We could play on Tuesday as far as I'm concerned. Um, you know, we need to show up ready to play a football game, whatever day it's on. And, and we didn't, we didn't do that. And uh, of course that brings us to back to Friday night, but as far as showing up, getting ready to play, boy, uh, you know, Lexington comes in, uh, they're ranked uh, currently fifth or sixth, depending on which uh, poll you're looking at in Eastern Mass. Uh, they're perfect 5-0. and They're averaging just under 40 points a game. In fact, just once all year, they've, they've scored less than 40 points. Uh, they've been extremely consistent. Uh, that the spread offense of, of coach George Peterson has just been incredible again. And uh, a lot of that has to do with their quarterback, uh, you know, Sal Freelich, who last year had 51 combined touchdowns this year. It, it seems odd to look, and it feels like he's on a lesser pace, yet he still has over 1,600 yards of total offense, 20 combined touchdowns uh, passing and rushing. He's completed over 81% of his passes, and he's just, well, I mean, you know, you, you've seen a lot of Sal Freelich over the last couple of years, so I don't know, some, thought, some thoughts on uh, the Lexington quarterback. Yeah, I mean, Sal's a fantastic football player. He's a great baseball player, too. He's a really fantastic kid. I, I kind of wish he was a jerk. It would be a... <laughs> be a lot easier to dislike him you know if he was a bad bad human being he's not um he's a really great hard-working kid he's a great hard-working athlete um i think you know pound for pound he's one of the best players in the state obviously um and i would say for the second year in a row and all credit to coach peterson who you know george is a great guy um also um for creating an offense that 
flourishes, you know, with this guy driving it. Um, that being said, there are some things that they can do that no one else can do because they have this kid. Um, you know, I saw a play against, I don't remember what cut it was on, where he, you know, <laughs> rolls out like he's running a bootleg to the right on the short side of the field, and then literally the whole line action is going that way, and he just reverses field, and it's designed that way and just takes it out to the left into naked space, makes a guy miss and, you know, run seven yards for a touchdown. Like, you got to have a special kid, you know, to, to do something like that completely naked out there in space on, on two or three defenders. Um, you know, but but George's Coach Peterson's done a great job of of developing an offense that creates space for Sal. Um, and don't forget Ben Quint there running back for them. Um, he's a he's a good, strong, fast, ten powerful rushing back. touchdowns this year. Yeah, uh, Quint's a Quint's a really good back, and I think he he gets overshadowed sometimes by how good Sal is. But you know, they're they're a two headed monster in that in that backfield. Um, we're you know we're we're aware of the challenge, um, and I, I'm really for one proud of our team identity more than anything else because the passion is <laughs> the passion's not dead, you know. And look, we're zero and five. Nobody's happy. I'm not happy. The coaches aren't happy. The players certainly aren't happy. The parents aren't happy. The fans aren't happy. I mean, they're not like mad at us necessarily, but they're. You know, I think frustrated that we're 0-5. They want to win. We want to win. Everybody wants to win. So I think that's a that's an environment that can very easily descend into self-pity, um, doubt, uh, infighting, searching for excuses as to why things are the way that they are. Our football program does not engage in that at all. And we went to work hard over the weekend um, and Monday to create a scheme to work to execute to stop this kid and to stop Quint and to stop Lexington um, and to do some things offensively because, you know, for that team, their offense is the driver. They let up points. They've let up, you know, three, four touchdowns in some of these games. Um, you know, so we want to try to find ways to extend drives and keep Sal off the field as best as we can and all the things that you do when you're facing a – a dynamic and a, and a special player, but I'll speak for myself and I'll speak for my team and I can't speak for anybody else. I know what everybody's talking about. I know what everybody's thinking about, you know, five and O Lexington coming into Harris field against Oh, and five winless Belmont and all that stuff. And the South Freelick show. And we're like fired said, up. I mean, yeah, yeah. we get an opportunity to play football against one of the best players in the state of Massachusetts and against one of the best teams in the state of Massachusetts. And you know what, if you're not excited as an athlete, and a coach for the opportunity to do something like that. You shouldn't be an athlete and a coach. Nobody in that house is sitting there going, Oh my God, what are we going to do? We created a plan. We're working to develop that plan. We're working to practice that plan. We're working to execute that plan. And we're going to go out on Friday night and we're going to play our butts off. And I'll tell you one thing. I don't know what the result's going to be after 44 minutes, but you will never again see a Belmont team take to the field and put forth a subpar effort in terms of their heart and their desire to go out there and play football and their desire to go out there and get a win. We're jacked up for the opportunity to go out there and play a football game on Friday night at home against one of the best teams in the state. And the best part about sports, if everything about athletics was decided on paper, there'd be no need for us to go out there and play a game. We know we're the underdog. That's fine. 
You know, I, I'm excited. I'm excited to be the underdog. I'm excited to go out there and try and do something special. And we know that we're going to have a heck of a challenge ahead of us. You know, a heck of a challenge. A really well-coached football team with some dynamic football players on it. We got a great challenge. But you know what? We got some great football players, too. We got some great coaches who are working hard, too. We got a system in place. We practice well. We plan well. And we're just fired up to take our product out on the field and, and get an opportunity to show our hometown crowd who we, who we really are. And it's kind of crazy to say this, but it's only the middle of October, but I believe this is the last scheduled game, home game at Harris Field. So is it? I'm guessing it's seniors' night too as well, right? It'll be senior night. Um, you know, we're going to be honoring our seniors at, at 530. Um, we got a bunch of seniors on our roster this year. Um, so that's always, you know, regardless of what happens, a, a special night for those guys, um, you know, a night to kind of acknowledge – a lot of years of really hard work and effort and commitment to this football program. And I'm really excited for those guys and really hopeful that we're going to be able to give them a great game and, and something they can remember. All right. Well, on that note, uh, good luck to the seniors, the entire Marauder team. Good luck. Uh, good you. luck this week, coach. Thank you very much. All right. Well, uh, as we uh, wrap up here, just want to remind you that uh, all of our uh, Todd casts, here with Coach Q can be found online at belmontmedia.org slash podcast. Also on SoundCloud.com by searching Belmont Media. Listen at your convenience by downloading the free SoundCloud app. It's available on both uh, iTunes and Google Play stores. And uh, links to all these interviews are uh, with Coach Q are posted on both Facebook and Twitter. Just follow us at TOSTBMC. Uh, become a Facebook fan. Of course, if you follow the coach, you follow Marauder F-Ball on Twitter. He links as well. And uh, so, yep, yeah, it's... Uh, you know, as uh, as you said, everyone's looking forward. Uh, are you, you know, bro- are you guys broadcasting on we, Friday night? We are broadcasting. All right, and I'm looking forward to actually seeing this kid in person because I've read a lot about Freelick, and I just you know I'm kind of looking. He's kind of like uh, I, I not to take us long. I know we were in the outro there, but um, yeah, we would have finished right at 30 minutes. That's uh, okay. I had I had <laughs> so close. I kind of have uh, uh, one of my favorite so close one of my favorite Sal Freelick. <laughs> Stories playing, playing, and coaching against this kid. Not playing, coaching against yeah. this kid um, was you know at Lexington in the rain. Um, yes, last year, and he made. I, I forget what play it was that he made, but he he went out to the outside. He made a guy miss, and he kind of turned the jets on and went upfield for like ten yards. And it was just like a, a such a, a a tremendous change of speed, and he got to top speed so fast on a sloppy field in the rain. And I was on the, I was on the comms, you know, and I clicked in and I just go he fast and my D coordinator who's down on the other side of the sideline you know looking down at me goes he's so fast he makes fast people look not fast um he's a special kid and I've heard comparisons to Flutie a little bit yeah he's just a special kid man I mean I'm not I'm not sitting here trying to gas this guy up I mean we've been saying it in practice saying we're not we're not disrespecting talent that's that's the worst thing you can do to talent you know you don't go out there and play Tom Brady and say Tom Brady stinks you go out there and say, we're playing the best quarterback in the world, possibly the best quarterback in the history of the game, and we're going to have to play our best in order to stop him. You know, Now, this kid's 18 years old and he's a senior, so we're not saying those sorts of things about him. But in the world of high school football, this guy's one of the best out there. So we're saying we're playing one of the best quarterbacks in the state of Massachusetts. We're going to have to play our butts off to stop him. And, and Sal is a terrifically humble kid, man. He's Like I said, I, I wish he was a jerk. It would be so much easier to, to dislike him. Uh, but I had a great conversation with him before the game last year, um, and I was really struck by how just humble and down-to-earth and unassuming this young man was. And I know that as he goes forward in his athletic career at Lexington, 
And as he goes forward in his athletic career at Boston College, he's just going to have a great, a great athletic career. So uh, we wish him the best in everything except for his endeavors on Harris Field on Friday night. Absolutely. On that note, until next week for Coach Q, I'm Todd Blodiars, and we thank you for checking out the, uh, the TOST Toddcast right here on the Belmont Media Podcast Network. 